You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Greetings, everybody. I am coming to you. This is Mission Lab, of course. I am coming to you from my least favorite state, the state of Michigan, uh, also synonymous with the state of misery. But anyway, I digress. Um, I'm here actually for a conference where I am one of the presenters at a uh, conference that is seeking to train people on how to reach millennial generations uh, not just millennials, because we're already at a time where there's Generation Z, as we learned about. And um, so, yeah, I'm here at my alma mater, Andrews University, and I have twisted the arm of a young man that uh, I don't really know that well, actually. We are friends on social media, and uh, we are here both presenting at this conference, but I'm probably going to get to know him via this episode. So uh, my friend's name is Bryant Rodriguez. So Bryant, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself for a brief second, then we'll get into some more things. Hey, Sean, thank you so much. So yeah, my name is Bryant Rodriguez. I am, I, I don't feel young anymore because when I fill out surveys, I have to check the uh, the new bracket. I'm no longer, uh, what is it, 17 to 23. I'm like, <laughs> I have to go up a bracket, right? But yeah, I'm, so I'm 24 years old and living in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, College Dale, really. I'm hanging around my alma mater, Southern Adventist University. And I am currently working as a digital and social media strategist for McKee Foods Corporation, makers of the Little Debbie Snack Cakes. But I have a theology degree, so ministry is still something I do. And I was really excited to be able to come to this event because... Um, Although I'm not really big on com conventions, mm -hmm. I do think that it's always good and crucial to hear about not only what are people doing that's successful, but how can then we also mm -hmm. work together. Um, I'm Mexican-American, and I didn't think I was going to dislike Michigan, but it does smell like cows a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, awesome. I love, I, I love you so much, Bryant. Um, you're probably, you've probably seen those things about Little Debbie, like Big Debbie and all that type of, we're not allowed to talk about that probably because you like... Uh, I think I could mention it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a meme for everything out there. I, and it's funny because whenever I meet people who, uh, especially within my peer group and even a little bit older, and I tell them where I work, they're like, oh, have you seen that? And, and to, to which I always say, yes, I see it a dozen times every day. <laughs> uh, sorry to bring up a cliche. Yeah. So um, you said you grew up where? So good, good question. I grew up in, that's a complex question. I was born in Dallas, Texas. Mm. So I'm another one of those Texans no, that you keep meeting, Sean. Mm. But I moved to Mexico when I was less than a year old. And then my family... who was there until about I was seven, and then we moved up to Minnesota. So I've split my growing up life between Mexico and in Minnesota. Wow. Wow. That's quite a difference of climate <laughs> and culture. And yeah, how was that like? So that's a good question. Uh, the displacement aspects of it, I don't think I've really fully engaged with them 
to be quite honest. So like that immigrant experience of like being uprooted, transplanted, having to learn to acclimate, code switch, navigate a new language. Um, all of that, I think, was there, but I haven't fully processed through it all. There's just been a few times here and there where I've kind of sat down and, and kind of under or tried to talk with people about what that was like. But as far as like growing up, I mean, I had a good life. My parents did the best they could to give me whatever they whatever you know was going to make us comfortable, and they really promoted education. So um, I didn't think of it twice. Like by the time I was actually uh, aware that I was in a new country and you know like and school and stuff, like I was just running with it. So I had a good time. I love snow. Um, I love Minneapolis. If people, if you haven't, if you're a listener to this and you have not been to Minneapolis, you need to make it a point to go because it's one of the best cities in the United States. Um, How many cities have you been to, Brian? I gotta call you on this. Okay, that's a good question. <laughs> I can't count them, but if you want to hit some of the major ones, I've been to Portland. I've been to Portland, Oregon. Okay, because you know I this know. is Mission Lab. We come from Maine. I know. So you gotta clarify. I'm sorry, so Oregon. I know. You're You've been right. to Portland, Maine. I have not been to Portland, Maine. Right. Maine is on my to-go list. Okay. Maine is definitely on my to-go list. So. Yeah, I've been to LA, I've been to Boston, I've been to Miami, I've been to Orlando, I've been to Tampa, Nashville, Atlanta, St. Louis, Kansas City. I don't know. I feel like oh, I've hit most of the major oh, cities okay. in right. the United States. You have been to Boston, which is my hometown, so I'm I, not... I comment on that. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so I am a Kobe Bryant basketball fan. Oh, I don't think we need to go any further. <laughs> no, let me just finish that out. So I'm so within the rivalries, I came from the LA side of things. I love LA. When I went to Boston for the first time two years ago, I did not want to like Boston, but I fell in love with Boston. Wow, dude, this is, something good is happening here. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. All right, hey, we can end the interview. <laughs> Um, no, but, but seriously, so I want to ask you about something specific as we kind of chatted a, a few minutes ago when I grabbed you by the ear and said, hey, let's go to my room and record this. But before we do that, I, I've noticed that you are a creative guy. You like, you like to be creative. You like to think outside the box. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm flattered. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think for anyone listening to this, you know, when someone uh, tells you, like, I think you're creative, you're, you're, it's like you feel two things. One, you feel really warm and happy inside because someone's validated who, probably the way you feel about yourself, while you also feel really nervous and terrified because now you have to live up to an expectation. Yeah, so right? go ahead and do something creative right now, Brian. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I'm not a singer. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if there was any point in my life where I decided, like, I'm going to think outside the box. I mm -hmm. think, um, what was it, Rob Bell, one of my favorite speakers, mm -hmm. I think he I think he kind of described the experience that I usually have when I meet others um, who kind of ask me, like, oh, you're, you're, you're a creative person, huh? I, I just said, like... I am like, mm -hmm. yeah, oh, there's yeah. a box and I'm yeah. outside of it. I'm sorry. Should I be in the box? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm a Christian. I believe in truth. Mm -hmm. I just, when it comes to presentation and when it comes to delivery and when it comes to packaging, mm -hmm. I'm always interested in experimenting and tinkering and understanding what are the, uh, what are some alternative ways mm -hmm. Because my demographic, my, my, the, the people that I have a burden for, they're not going to 
respond to perhaps what would be considered a traditional packaging of the gospel or mm. of the Christian message. And so I'm always looking to find alternative presentation methods, alternative platforms mm-hmm. uh, to be able to do that. And uh, and then maybe on top of that, I just I just like clothing a lot. I like to dress ah. well, and I think that's usually what <laughs> creates like seventy percent of the impression that I'm a creative. <laughs> that's uh, you've identified exactly why I've come up with that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, so what I'm really curious about. Well, I'm curious about all of it, but especially. You, we heard this morning, because you did a, a, a devotional thought, um, as we Christians like to call them, um, you did a devotional thought, and they announced to the whole world, I think, right, that you, when you gra- graduated from college, nobody wanted to hire you, or maybe they wanted to, but they just didn't, you know, <laughs> um, but that hasn't stopped you from still pursuing ministry opportunities. So maybe first of all, because I actually, what happened with me when I graduated, nobody actually hired me either. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's an encouragement to you or a discouragement. You don't want to follow my footsteps, I'm sure. But so I've been there, you know, I kind of, I kind of know how it's not, it's not a good feeling. Um, But you kind of turned lemons into lemonade or what's what's been going on with you ministry wise yeah since you graduated which was what a year ago you graduated okay yeah so so talk to me about that yeah so i guess i could comment briefly on the dynamics uh of not getting employment the it's it's difficult Mm -hmm. right um because and sorry, just to clarify, if I didn't say it, you were not hired to pastor, yes, you you do have full time employment I now. Do have just for those who didn't follow me, some of our listeners are not necessarily plugged into our church lingo and all that. Yes. So I just want no, to. No, okay, so good. yeah, so yeah. go ahead. Sorry to disrupt your thought. Uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So right, I do have a job right now, but oh gosh, there's so much we can talk about. So I just I'll just keep it brief though. So. For those of you who maybe don't have that kind of church background or maybe never really even considered being pastors, you have church background, but you never thought about it. Like what ends up happening is that you come to this place in life where you are now depending on someone else, older, with a reputation, with a career to vouch for you and to say, okay, I think we can trust this kid. You know, and that validation is that really what ends up and allowing you to be able to work, in, you know, as a professional minister. Um, that moment didn't come for me uh, mm. during my senior year in college, and it really put me in a really dark place. Mm. Um, it, I had to have a lot of honest conversations with God and with myself and with other counselors, um, and I came to have peace and clarity with it. Mm. Um, but where I'm at now, I'm actually kind of thankful for the experience of not rejection, but just kind of saying not now, uh, because with, number one, I don't know, Sean, if you had this experience when you were going through school, but sometimes it's there's a little bit of an entitlement among theology students. And uh, sometimes I think there's also a lack of professionalism among theology students. And uh, I don't know if it's encouraged or if we attract it or if we make it. But for me, what I've had to very forcibly learn is professionalism Mm -hmm. uh, because at a corporate setting there's no room for it you know Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been really great in that regard but also the reason why I say that I'm thankful for it is because it forced me to slow down and when I slow down I noticed that there were a number of displaced people 
in my uh, friend group who were going to be either choosing to stay in Tennessee or were having to stay in Tennessee, whether they wanted to or not. And among these people were people who um, would have a spiritual compass in them, perhaps even a Seventh-day Adventist uh, interest in them, but just not what, for whatever reason, feel at home or even safe or altogether comfortable in a traditional church setting. Uh, For those of you who know a little bit about you know, Christianity in North America, the South is going to be, you know, a little bit more uh, conservative and staunchly evangelical, very Christian compared to perhaps where you're from, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there's a lot of baggage there. And a lot of the churches in my area are doing great things. But for this kind of displaced people who are in the arts, who perhaps are queer, um, who are they just don't see things diff- the same or they just don't like sermons, but they like to like talk about spiritual things, mm-hmm. a traditional church setting would be difficult for them to be at. And so um, even though I have studied theology and I do want to be a professional minister, I don't actually like church, to be quite honest. I don't know if I should say this on this podcast. Well, what you don't know is the episode that was released right before you yeah which is coming out in a few days from when we're recording this is by my my buddy jared you know jared thomas i do know jared thomas and he just revealed on the previous episode that he doesn't like church either (laughs) so uh then then the title of the episode is coming out of the church closet oh that's funny so yeah so 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 you're in good company good company okay i feel good good to find a home here in mission lab so (laughs) Now, I don't like church in as much as I don't like programming. Mm -hmm. I don't like feeling like I have to be in and out. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't like all of that sometimes. Like, don't get me wrong. There's every now and then where Mm -hmm. I get kind of an itch. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just want a church fix. I want to go (laughs) sing some songs and hear a word and walk out and call it a day. But more often than not, I like church in the sense that I like community. I like talking about Mm -hmm. God and I like people. So... I'm like, okay, so I, I feel good with this. Like, this, this is something I like. And then I talked to my wife. Um, I got and talked with her about it. And, and then we talked to some friends, and we had one. Mm-hmm. And we, I called it communion mm-hmm. uh, just because, I don't know if that's probably artsy or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I called it communion. And I wanted it to be a vulnerable place, a, tra- uh, a transparent place and a place where people felt safe. So I only made public advertisement for it once mm-hmm. and it was on Facebook. And then after that, those who responded either because they came or because they said they would like to come, I made a Facebook group about uh, for it. Um, not to be exclusive, but just to make it easy to get notifications, right? Like on Facebook feeds, you may get a notification, you may not, you may see what you want, you may not. So that just ensured it. And then from there, we've just met once a month um, in our home. And we have gathered to talk about spiritual things. We have food and it's church for us Mm. um, once a month. And it's Mm. it's been really rich. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And, you know, you're we're whistling the same tune. Um, So you find a lot of people that you said are displaced, as as it were, and they found a home there. What what um, what is it about the environment that you think draws them into that experience? Yeah. So 
um, just so everybody listening to this doesn't feel like I'm some sort of big shot, you know, commanding like a hundred people or something. <laughs> like it's not. It's very casual. Mm-hmm. Um, attendance is anywhere between ten and twenty. Mm-hmm. I think at our highest during the month, we did one in the month of December where we were super packed. I think we were probably at like twenty five, and that was mm-hmm. kind of intense. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty like we tend to keep it small the 10 to 20 range is great though because i think you're big enough to feel like you're in a group but also mm-hmm. not so big that you're like okay i don't think i should talk very yeah. long you know um but as to to get back to your point about what do we do um my wife is really good at food so mm. up until this point she's helped really help with the hosting and um i am so thankful for her because she's a full-time student she's working as a nurse nurse uh prn for you nurses out there uh and then also she's a gym instructor and somehow within all of that time you know once a month she makes the time to be able to provide some hosting and she's been really Mm -hmm. great at that and as you know food is always a great thing Mm -hmm. food good food um in a home setting is always going to be good so i think that's one second one uh some people dress up. Some people show up in their PJs. <laughs> we don't really make it a point. Yeah. You know, I think I've been in my slides a number of times, uh, just in my sandals. I don't even know what slides are, so good. Yeah, yeah. so if you, have, <laughs> if you have any basketball players listening to you, they'll know what slides I'm are. I'm a basketball player, but I guess they're, they're I'm your, They're just sandals, like flip-flops, like, but like Adidas oh, or Nike. Okay. They're called yes. slides because yes. you slide your feet in. Yeah, I never got down with those, but anyway. No worries, dude. It's okay. We all learn. So, <laughs> Judgment-free zone, right? Judgment-free for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two things, are, those couple of notes are there. And then the next one is... Um, Although there have been a couple of times where I've just maybe presented, usually it's a it's a guided conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I provide the pastoral guiding, perhaps, but my I have a friend um, who is a counselor, a social worker, and then also my wife who is um, studying mental health to mm-hmm. be a nurse practitioner. They provide some of that clinical expertise, and then we guide people. Th- through conversations that usually aren't being had in traditional church settings, uh, mostly around mental health and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about trauma, we've talked about mm-hmm. uh, anxiety, we've talked about anger, mm-hmm. mm, a couple of other topics, and those. And you know, a co- about the last one though, no, one, two, one, two months ago, I asked, "What would you guys like to keep talking about?" and you know, I thought maybe they'd change topics, maybe get really like uh, Bible questions, but they're like, actually, we really like the mental health stuff. If we could keep talking about that, mm-hmm. that'd be really great. Mm-hmm. So we'll be focusing in on that until, you know, maybe there's time to shift. But I think that topic in of itself makes it feel safe because mm-hmm. a lot of, I don't know if it's like it's being more represented or if it's just the fact that it really is increasing but what we know from the people that i speak to in the professions of mental health is that there are more and more cases of anxiety and depression and all of these things and so having the space to discuss those with a pastor and uh professionals in the mental health uh, field i think really helps people feel like oh okay mm-hmm. i can be me mm-hmm. and i can express what i feel afraid of mm-hmm. um and so i think those are some of the key reasons for why it's felt so safe mm-hmm. So this brings, how would you answer this? Because I have conversations with different people that I'm trying to persuade about the more relational, you know, community type church experiences. 
And when I say, talk about authenticity, vulnerability, they say, what's the point of all that stuff? Like, that's just a buzzword for a myriad of things, whether it's people just wanting to justify their sin, you know, or whatever. Like, why do we need to be authentic? Um, I mean, I have my answers, but I mean, what would you, is it just because these are not, these are not millennials, these are not Gen Z people, um, how so maybe it's just a generational thing but i i don't think it is but how would you interact with that type of mentality i mean this is i know from left field we didn't go over the questions and i'm just coming whatever's in my mind so so what would you think say to that brian yeah sean well that's a that's a good question to be honest i think if i think in that context i would probably look back at them and be like yeah you're right authentic is a buzzword mm-hmm. because if we're frank what it's like not even churches just like brands like they want to be authentic and mm-hmm. it's like well what does that even mean right mm-hmm. so like you're nike and you're authentic does that mean you're i i don't even know what it means mm-hmm. right so i think that perhaps the reaction there's a level of truth to the reaction where like yeah you know what sometimes it does become a buzzword of you know whatever and maybe there should be some deconstructing there but I think what then the next step would be would be to say okay so but what is that buzzword signaling mm-hmm. and when we get behind the buzzword perhaps what does that mean and look like um one of my favorite uh podcasts is ask science mike hmm. and so mike mccarr he's branded himself as science mike and people usually christians but also non-christians they'll send him questions and then he'll answer them from as his layman's understanding of science which is actually pretty high Mm -hmm. and in one of the podcasts that i've listened to from him he talks about how a church should be two things in particular it should be a place where you feel completely safe to be who you are right now and are accepted Mm -hmm. the exact way that you are right now number one and number two it is a place where it inspires you to become the best version Mm -hmm. of you Mm -hmm. And I think what, especially within our Seventh-day Adventist denomination that has a strong emphasis on uh, Christian growth, Christian development, um, Christian even perfection, mm-hmm. um, sometimes I think what they miss is that those, there's, those two things are important. Um, I, don't, I haven't met anyone in my, well, I should correct myself. There are a few who I have within my peer group that I consider people who I want to minister to or are ministering to who have no interest in growing or developing. Mm. And that's fine. You know, I understand them. They're known quantities. I give them some time, but I don't, you know, bend over backwards for them. But most of the people that I know, especially in this age range, like we're we're all ears for growth and development. We're, Mm. We're there for transformation. It's just that we want to be able to be ourselves from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And what is the problem, I think, is that you have social context where you have to walk in and play by the rules from the jump without discussing why the rules matter, without understanding maybe where you come from. And in our generation with the millennials and even more so Gen Z, with there's like a mu- it's it's much more important to be versed in the way that people react to traumas and frustrations and grievances and pains 
to expect that or to demand that without sitting down and discussing with them their background and how they've related to things, what's hurt them, what's not, why something's bothered them and why something's don't bother them. I mean, you're just never going to get anywhere with mm-hmm. them. So what I would say to that kind of person would be, uh, I think it'd be a straightforward answer to be like, yeah, I think it is a buzzword in some sense. But behind that buzzword, what we're trying to say is that we don't feel accepted where we begin. Mm-hmm. And if you don't accept us, then we can't ever begin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'd yeah. like to begin, but mm-hmm. we're not being allowed to. Mm. Does that make wow, sense? Wow, dude, that makes a lot of sense. This young man is only 24 years old. <clears throat> he, is, he is looking forward to the day when he can rent a car. <laughs> and you were just telling me as we uh, came over to where I'm staying because we drove over in my rental car, and he's like, oh, man, I'm looking forward to renting a car in just a little while. So, no, he's your wise beyond your years, Brian. Um, and I think that has been key for me is recognizing, because like you say, we, our particular tribe, we'll put it in those terms, we have a big emphasis on, here's a, theological words, sanctification, you know, righteousness, all these things, obedience. But what we don't understand, like you say, is nobody can ever grow to where we think they should be unless we first allow them to be who they are right now without judgment. And that, I mean, people just don't understand that and appreciate that. And I'm not sure why. Like, why do we have that? Like, I, I think what is behind that fear is that that's just going to um, that's just going to keep them in their whatever problem is that they have or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know. Does that make is that is that what you might observe about why people are resistant to this? I need to be accepted where I am type idea. Yeah. No, that's a good question, Sean. So. I don't, I, to add to your previous point, right, about how, like, there's an emphasis on, on the obedience part of things and we miss the fact that you just need an acceptance. I think, like, also what maybe the oversight is, is that even within people in, in our tribe who have been in our churches for a long time, their character growth, spiritual growth, whatever their spirituality may not be in a healthy place and more often than not it doesn't look like it's in a healthy place it's just that they've learned how to play by the rules and they've got either generations of it or just years of it and Mm -hmm. it's a real frustration Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now i don't think this is just a generational issue like i don't think we can just pin it on like boomers or gen Mm -hmm. x you know like I think that it's a human issue. Like we like to project, we like to belong, Mm -hmm. and it's important to be accepted by the tribes in which we participate in, Mm -hmm. right? Like um, I, for example, it's important for me to feel like I am uh, part of the, I'm I'm, like, so I'm Mexican, I identify as Mexican, but there's some times where I feel like, you know, I'm not good enough for that. Mm -hmm. And so I'll go out of my way to make sure to try in that way or to play by standards that I don't actually like live, but just to make sure that, you know, my friends who are Mexican really believe that I'm Mexican. (laughs) Right. And I I use that as a humorous way, but I think that that happens in our churches too. So what do you do? 
just out of curiosity to to uh, prove you're a bona fide Mexican. Just curious. Uh, so I make sure to put hot sauce on everything. <laughs> I uh, make sure to. I'll, I actually don't watch much soccer outside of the World Cup, but I make sure to look at the scores so that whenever <laughs> questions about the league play comes up, I I know them right. Yeah, and yeah. then whenever uh, Selena Day comes around, I make sure to rep her on. Ah, okay. Selena Quintana. Yeah. But anyways, uh, we're digressing there. So back to your question about. Um, why do people fear saying we have to be accepted? Yeah, I think okay. Judgment? I think there's a couple things at play. Now, I think one that pastors should be honest with themselves and recognize that we're a little bit of a control freak. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. like to stay on in command. We like mm-hmm. to direct. Um, mm-hmm. And what I've found is that when I let when I have you know like actually doing the dirty work of being like okay like I'll let people be where they're at like it's really scary mm. people will come at you and share things that you're like oh gosh you really shouldn't be doing that and your gut instinct is to parent or to pastor right away mm-hmm. um, I, I'll tell a quick story yeah. so two years ago one of my a friend of mine who I treasure really really deeply um we didn't know each other i met him i was in a film lab um because i took film courses at southern we're editing he's editing something about uh church came up and then he started making some jokes not that were very rude but they were a little bit off the wall you know they're the kind of things that have a a tone of irreverence to them Mm -hmm. right um and i think in the conversation somebody was like oh brian's actually a theology major so you know you gotta watch out and whatnot but i had a good time with him um trying to kind of play along without also maybe compromising what i feel like you know mm-hmm. is maybe being uh not sacred anymore but out of that conversation i just liked him a lot I, i'm like there was something about him that i'm like i need to be friends with this guy and mm-hmm. so i invited him to have lunch and so we had lunch i think two days later we ate some thai food and as we're eating thai food um he's just kind of telling me about his life and i'm learning more about him and i'm kind of understanding that he comes from a very religious home like his parents are from Ringgold, Georgia, and they're like in the fringes of really conservative Adventism. And so he's got this like frustration, right? Mm-hmm. Because he comes from a very church home. And so things are starting to make more sense, right? He's kind of explaining to me who he is and I'm telling him more about me. And as we're leaving lunch, he tells me, by the way, this is really good. I was actually really, I got a lot of anxiety when you invited me to have lunch. He's like, because I thought you were gonna do the pastor thing to me. He's like, I've had so many people while at Southern like try to pray for me. The moment I say something that is maybe a little bit not what I should be saying. And uh, I was really scared that you were going to do that for me, and you didn't, uh, right? And I remember chuckling, and I was like, oh, I was like, I don't think that even crossed my mind, yeah, you know? Yeah. But there have been other times during our friendship where he'll say things that are coming from frustrations or whatever, frustrations that I may even sympathize with, but he just says them in ways that maybe I don't feel comfortable or whatever. And it really tests my ability to be like, can I actually accept someone where mm-hmm. they're at? Can I really listen to them and understand why they're saying what they're saying? Mm-hmm. And it's hard work. It's harder to do that than it is to just be like actually what you need to be doing you know it is mm-hmm. to just quickly wall it off and direct and steer it's a lot harder to just let people be but i mean with that friendship like him and i just presented a couple of months ago at a youth retreat hmm. and i mean this is someone who even six months ago was like questioning whether he wanted to be adventist anymore believe in mm-hmm. god anymore and then, you know, because of our friendship and the authenticity of it, <laughs> right? We were able to, I mean, I was yeah. able to co-present with him on the ways that art and God kind of go to hand in hand. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's hard. I think it's dirty and I think it demands more from the, from the people who are in church, whether it's a pastor, an elder, or just a church member. 
but yeah, I think ultimately it's more rewarding. Mm-hmm. Dude, awesome, awesome story. We could go on all night, but I'm going to ask you this last question. Um, where do you see this track going for you as far as your community that you're building? Um, maybe you don't even worry about that. Maybe you're just saying, I'm just worried about the next time we gather together. Maybe that's all you're thinking about, but what are your thoughts? Um, that's a good question. So um, I'm a very, I, I, I am a big picture person. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm always thinking about, okay, where, where does this go? But one of the things that God put on my heart for this particular community, uh, small group, home church, whatever we want to call it, was to not concern myself with that, mm-hmm. to focus on those that are coming, to treat each one as if that's all that matters and not concern myself with what I usually concern myself mm-hmm. with, which is scaling, mm-hmm. big picture, growth, mm-hmm. uh, numbers. Um, and so I've made a... I have made it I've made concerted efforts to make it so that if nothing else if it's only if it only exists for them for a year or for a year or for 2 years it will have mattered to them mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where my heart has been at mm-hmm. at the same time I have had a couple of friends who have been interested in helping me scale the event mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I need to turn that down um, so we're discussing it, but I'm not really making it a point personally to drive it in that direction because um, I think it's your seminar tomorrow, right? People, not programs. Yeah, good. You're, you're a quick study. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. I think our ambition gets in the way sometimes, right? And, you know, there's a tension between wanting to multiply the kingdom yeah good thing while not also multiplying perhaps our ego right (laughs) yeah see what i'm saying well anyway that's good stuff bryant and i appreciate it i appreciate everyone listening to this lower quality recording because it's on my phone but um it's been really cool to have you and we'll have to catch up with you in another little bit see how things are progressing for you see if little Debbie or McKee is still treating you well. And (laughs) so thanks for being on here, Bryant. And, uh, thanks for listening guys. We're signing out from smelly Michigan. (laughs) Thank you for listening to mission lab. Our theme song is Portland hike by tiny music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at M lab podcast. Oh,